Hi, my name is Kwasi Yaboa. Hello, my name is Emilio Fabrizzi. Welcome to our Trainee Insights podcast series, home of discussions about life as a trainee or junior lawyer at Ropes and Gray in London. The podcast is for anyone who has an interest in building a successful career at the firm's London office. We're delighted today to be joined by Julia Robinson. Julia is the Senior Manager for Professional Development and Training here at the firm. She's had a varied and interesting career, having started out as a corporate lawyer, then teaching law on the legal practice course, before returning to private practice to support lawyers with their learning and development from their training contracts through to partnership. Julia, it's great to have you with us today. Um, We hope you're well and are having a great start to the new year. Yeah, I'm doing well. I've been looking forward to this conversation, so thanks for inviting me. No, it's our pleasure, and we're looking forward to kind of hearing all of the insights you can share with our audience today. So thanks for joining us. So for everyone listening, our intention for this episode is to get an insight into the skills required to become an effective lawyer and how to learn effectively in this role. This is the first episode in our mini-series on training and professional development, and it's titled Skills and Approaches to Learning. So law is an evolving area, both in terms of the nature of the law itself and the type of service required by clients. So, Julia, why is it important to develop a wide range of skills in this kind of environment? It's obviously important as a lawyer that you stay up to date on your area of practice, and the expectation is that you're an excellent lawyer technically, um, but that really is just the beginning. So what makes a lawyer stand out really at any stage of their career, whether as a junior or later on, is what it's like for people to work with them. So it doesn't matter how good you are, um, if you know you're poor at delegation or time management or the later stage, you know, presenting or leading a team, um, that is going to hold you back. So the key is to develop that range of other skills and continue to have a learning um, mindset because that's the way you future-proof yourself um, in terms of the changes that there will inevitably be within your firm. Um, within your practice area, within the market. And as we've experienced with the pandemic, obviously, you know, the wider world. Yeah, I think um, as a as a junior lawyer trainee, when you start off, there's there's a lot to learn and you're almost thrown into things. But I think that's great to sort of get that experience very early on because it will stay with you throughout your career as you sort of touched on um, the idea that you sort of qualify and that's it. Um, just isn't the case and you are constantly learning and trying to develop skills to make you a better practitioner. So in light of that, what key skills do junior lawyers require to thrive in the industry? Um, And do you think those skills really change rapidly over the course of the legal career? Yeah, so I think obviously as an NQ and as a trainee, you know, you are focused on technical expertise and that, that is completely understandable. But alongside that, yeah, you should start building your skills foundation. And I think there's probably two main buckets for that. One is how you manage yourself is key. So your ability to prioritize, to keep people informed, to think ahead, you know, basic project management. Those are all really key as a junior. And then on the communication front, um, this is an area where you, you can really let yourself down no matter how good you are um, technically or equally you can actually have an outsized impact you know positively if you get it right so you know how how clear are your emails you know is the tone right 
do you speak up enough in meetings? And as you get more senior, things like, you know, how well you delegate and motivate others. Um, and you know, you're not going to be able to progress to that more senior work and the, all the opportunities that that brings until you master those skills. And uh, I think this whole idea of building a skills foundation is is a key one. Um, and that's why it's so useful to have someone like you at the firm, because you can, I suppose, get so caught, caught up in the work and want it to be the, the most technical uh, lawyer out there um, that you kind of lose sight of some of this stuff but I think one of the one of the things that that you've spoken about previously which seems to be at the core of having a, a good skills foundation is this idea of you know having strong emotional intelligence um, and and why is that principle kind of so important in particular yeah I, I think there's two two pieces there I think the first part is actually just what you were saying about you know the when you're a junior, there's just so many things that you're learning. And on that, I would always say, you know, little and often. So you know, you're not trying to develop all skills at full pelt all the time. You know, put your focus on different different skills at different points so you actually can give it a bit of focus. And know that just a small amount of progress um, in each area over time will really add up. But coming back to your second point about emotional intelligence, um, I think the reason that you know I do highlight that is because I think it 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 really is important in so many aspects of the role. So it's very important in communicating with clients. It's very important with communicating to anyone that you manage or delegate to. Also with understanding what might be going on with the people who are delegating to you and managing you, and also with the support staff that you're going to be working with. So. It's kind of something that if you if you develop it, it's going to be beneficial in lots of ways. So, you know, to give an example, um, you know, our office managing partner has great emotional intelligence. And that really came through in his communication to us in those early days of remote working. I'm sure I'm not the only one who had this real sense of sort of closeness with the office, even though we were geographically far apart. And that's because he really sort of tuned in um, and 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 was very um, aware of what people were feeling and, and really um, was able to communicate with us um, with that in mind. It's also something actually that comes up in the firm's client feedback when clients are asked to give feedback um, on their experience with the firm and that they actually, you know, they really enjoy working with our lawyers as people. And that's a very important differentiator for us because it's not, you know, a phrase that maybe would come up with all the law firms um, that they work with. So, it's important in that way as well. Yeah, so Julia, it's not surprising to me that you know, that comes up in our internal feedback that we do have this emotional intelligence because I think that's something that we experience even at a junior level. You know, during the pandemic, whenever people were giving us work, they'd be conscious of the fact that, for example, as a trainee, you might not have met everyone in your team or you don't have that direct one-on-one -on -one contact. And so it was something that they you know, constantly reference. And would always make sure and encourage you to feel free to reach out and, and and pick up the phone and call people. So that consciousness and that awareness of of how someone else you're working with might be might be feeling is, is really something that that comes through in our in our training as well. But you're obviously someone that, that knows a lot about skills and training and so it's great to have someone like you kind of spearhead spearheading the training program um, kind of a, a ropes and way in terms of skills. So can you tell us a bit more about Ropes and Gray's London's training and professional development strategy in terms of facilitating junior lawyers' ability to develop the necessary skill set to, to thrive? I think one of the things that we try and do is 
to stay really close to the junior lawyer experience. So, you know, have lots of conversations um, with you about what's going on and what you're experiencing so that we can really respond quickly to changing needs. So, and, and also that when we are delivering training, we think about different formats. So we do one-to-one, we do small group, we do, you know, bigger webinars. Um, so there's a real range of ways that people can work on particular skills. But to give you an example, um, we were getting some feedback uh, as our office has been expanding and junior lawyers were saying that they wanted some extra training on delegation because as we were expanding, they were there was a bigger trainee intake and that meant that they were getting the opportunity to delegate earlier in their careers. So where previously we'd had um, some delegation training at a certain point, we were then bringing it forward so that um, more junior lawyers could have that training as well. And what we did was, you know, within a few weeks of hearing those uh, those kind of comments, um, we ran some workshops. So they had a chance to come together and to talk about delegation and to practice some skills. But also, um, we offer one-to-one um, development on delegation. So I actually did a session this morning with an associate on this. And what's good about that way of training on something like delegation is we can really personalize it. They talk about their experience of delegating, what they might find difficult, um, and then come up with an individual plan as to how they're going to develop that skill. So that's work I I really enjoy. Um, But in terms of the the wider program that we have um, throughout the year, what we emphasize is things that are interesting, new offerings. So some topics that we've covered, uh, writing for publication. So um, when uh, when our juniors are writing your puzzle posts, um, sessions around how you build trust, sessions around how you collaborate most effectively, and you know, something for you know, current times. You know how do you navigate networking in in you know times when sometimes you know uh, it's easier than others at the moment to to meet people face to face. Um, and we work with experts on this, so there's a real emphasis on new, fresh, you know, evidence-based. Uh, approaches. Um, the way I think about it is, uh, you know, all of our lawyers, uh, you know, they're busy people, and if there's something that, you know, they find themselves, if they're in a bookshop or they're traveling and they, they pick up a book or they listen to a podcast um, on something that's skills related, then that's a, a sort of light bulb for me. Well, if that's something that they want to work on outside of work, then really I want to make sure that training is available for them um, as part of our training program. So I really listen out for, you know, the book that someone's got on their bedside table or the podcast that they're listening to and hear what those themes are so that we can incorporate it into our training offering to really make the best use of their time. Touching on those points, I can I can say that from my experience drawing the training contract, it's, it's definitely felt very personal, the training that I've received with it specifically being tailored to to the seat and the department that I'm in at, at that time. Um, but even down to sort of the minutiae of the timing of the training. You know, in those training sessions when you're a trainee come at the very start of your your seat. So the idea being that, you know, before you're given that task, you at least have an idea or have had some some experience. And in terms of of demand, there are some training sessions which have been incredibly popular, which I've been part of, um, such as the fast, effective reading training session that that we hold. Um, yeah. And if it is fully subscribed, it's always been nice to know that 
the firm will go out and reorganize that training again. Or if you've missed it and you really want to make it, there will be other opportunities. So, um, you know, definitely we we have that sort of personal personal feeling here when it comes to our training and our development. Uh, so for you, what are some of the highlights of our sort of professional development training offering and what can we expect moving forward for 2022? Yeah, I, just to pick up on your last point about kind of the flexibility of it, that's something I really pride myself on in terms of our team's res- responsiveness. And I think it comes from the size of the office. So it is um, it is possible for us to you know, add an extra session if it's oversubscribed um, or, or bring in a new session at fairly short notice, which is sometimes not so easy with extremely large cohorts. So that that is um, a real positive. So highlights for 2022. Well, there is so much training. Um, last year, we had over 600 sessions in London. That's just in London. Um, about 100 of those were trainees. And it is this mix of skills, you know, technical practice group training and coaching. Um, we just launched last end of last year a new uh, skills program for newly qualified. So that was a new thing that we introduced. Um, again, because we've got this, this sort of larger NQ cohort now, um, and we'll also be introducing next year a new trainee training program as part of the transition uh, to SQE. But before we get to that, just to give you a sense of what's going on sort of right right now. Um, there are a couple of topics that we're focusing on in these next few months, and those are presenting and coaching. So we're doing this in kind of multiple different different ways. So to give presenting as an example, we've got um, one-to-one sessions available, both in person and on Zoom. So one-to-one with an expert who then helps you to practice in the relevant medium. So if you're if you're going to be presenting in person, obviously you want your one-to-one session to be in person. But if you're going to be presenting on Zoom, it's actually quite helpful to be on Zoom to do that practice. So we've got the two the two options there. Um, we've also got asynchronous resources like you know videos to watch and articles about presenting. And then something I'm really looking forward to uh, next month is we've got um, a live series of talks by um, an author, John Paul Flintoff. And he's going to be talking to us more about kind of impromptu, less informal presenting. So where you have to get up for a few minutes and say a few words. So not something with a PowerPoint. So that would be an interesting uh, series as well. And, and then on the coaching front, we this last week, two couple of weeks, we've had some sessions on proactively managing your career. And this is really about self-coaching. So um, what you know, this is in addition to the one-to-one coaching that we offer. But there is also a role that we can all play in, in kind of coaching ourselves. And so that those sessions are about that. Um, and then in April, we'll be running a series on developing coaching skills for managing others. So again, this is aimed at associates and it's, it's helping them develop kind of more nuanced skills for delegating um, and managing others through, through coaching. So hopefully that gives the listeners an idea the sort of training um, that we provide. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely plenty plenty on offer, um, <laughs> yes. and and a lot a, a lot available. But I, I I think what's nice is that it's it's very evenly spread. It's not top heavy. It's not bottom heavy. Um, at whatever stage you are in your career, there's there's suitable training and enough training for you. 
Um, and, you know, for for our listeners and, you know, the likes of me and Quasi, it's amazing to know that, you know, come the time of qualification, uh, there's an NQ skills program, um, but also how the firm's very adaptable. Um, you touched on it earlier with the pandemic and working from home, and suddenly you start having to do your job and speaking with clients through other forms of media which you aren't used, you know, used to using or having to present on Zoom. And making that transition isn't necessarily easy. So being able to have training and develop your skills there um, is certainly very, very helpful and and useful. It just adds another string to your bow in terms of how how you're dealing and how you can better yourself as a as a lawyer to not just be static and able to operate in let's say the traditional way, but you can go and engage with clients or or other lawyers um, through the sort of methods that we've that we've sort of become accustomed to, like Zoom. Well, on that note, we'd like to say thank you to our listeners. We hope you enjoyed this discussion today. It was something slightly different and giving you an insight, I guess, to other aspects of a law firm and your and your professional development and what it what it means to be a lawyer. For more information about Ropes and Gray in London, including career opportunities, please visit www.ropesgrayrecruiting.com forward slash UK. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, both at Ropes Gray Grabs. And feel free to get in touch with us via those social media handles if you have any questions or thoughts for future episodes. You can also subscribe to this series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We hope you can join us on our next episode where we'll be talking to other inspirational figures at Ropes and Gray, providing you with insights into the firm's culture and how you can succeed as a trainee or junior lawyer. And also look out for other episodes in our trainee mini-series. But in the meantime, take care and thanks for listening.